All right. Well, if you're new at River Rock, my name is Steven. Uh, I'm not the guy. The guy is our senior pastor, Charlie. He is not here. And so um, he has asked me to serve in his stead, and it is an honor to do so. We're going to be in the book of Titus today. If you're new to River Rock, book of Titus, that's kind of towards the back. Okay? Um, It's one of the pastoral epistles. What does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. This is a great week for you to be here if you're new to River Rock, because it's not often that you'll come in the middle of a series, as we're doing on the book of Titus, and be able to catch up immediately with all the previous weeks that you missed from that same series, because that's essentially what Titus chapter 3 does. In Titus chapter 3, Paul is teaching about a number of concepts that are common throughout pastoral epistles. Pastoral epistles are like First and Second Timothy, book of Titus. They are letters written from Paul to other young church leaders, and he's saying, Here's some of the stuff that's going on out in the kingdom of God that you need to be aware of. Here's how to lead your people well. Here's some issues you're probably going to need to be addressing right now. And here's some things that I want you to focus on as a young church leader. Okay? And so he kind of lays out kind of the same thing that you'll hear throughout other pastoral epistles. But in chapter 3, Paul also is writing to Titus and he's reminding him. You're going to hear him say the word remember, remember throughout this this whole section. He's reminding him about the stuff he's already written in the previous letter of Titus. So it's almost like chapter 3 is kind of like the Cliff Notes version of the rest of the book of Titus, if you follow me. Okay? So here's some things that he's generally covering. Okay? This is written, as I said, from Paul to Titus on the island of Crete. Most experts agree it was written somewhere between 60 and 66 AD. Okay? And some of the common things that were covered during this time were to establish trustworthy leaders. You're going to hear that throughout uh, the pastoral epistles. You need to find good people who know the word of God and entrust them to lead well. Don't try to do it on your own. Okay? He's going to also say, teach them good doctrine. Teach them good doctrine, meaning they need to teach kind of what's in the Bible. Okay, teach what's written. Don't make up your own stuff. Don't do false teaching, which is the next major point that you'll see in pastoral epistles. You'll see where he says there's a lot of men out there teaching false doctrine. And he goes so far as to say, not only teach good doctrine and call bad doctrine bad, but he also goes so far as to say, hold those bad teachers accountable. Okay, people need to know this is wrong. It's a big deal and it shouldn't be happening. So Paul teaches that. And then this is one of the doctrines that was often trampled on. You're going to hear a lot about it today in this chapter. And that is salvation comes by grace through faith, not by works or rituals. Okay? Salvation comes by grace through faith, not by works or rituals. Okay? However, the next major point you're going to hear covered, your works matter greatly. So don't let that confuse you. Paul is saying a lot of people are confused about this issue. Your works and your religion and your rituals, they will not provide salvation for you through Jesus Christ. Your works do not matter for salvation, but your works are very, very important. They are needed, and so you need to be about the business of the kingdom. You need to be doing good deeds. If you look at our graphic for the whole book of Titus, it says what? Good deeds, goodwill, and good news. That's kind of the short form of the book of Titus right there. All right, so Paul is reminding them about things throughout the book of Titus. He's saying, remember this, remember that. How many of y'all know what these are? What do y'all call them? Post-it notes, sticky notes. Hands up, come on, catch these. 
You're going to want to take these. You're going to want to pass them down, grab four or five. Good catch. That was awesome. Okay, hopefully I'm going to get somebody in the eyeball so we can get sued later. All right, take these, pass them down. You're going to want four or five each. Okay, these are going to go inside your bulletin. Normally, Scott, here you go, man. Coming at you. Oh, good catch. There it is. All right, who else needs some more? I got some more. I spent like a whole five or six bucks on these, so I don't want them to go to waste. Good enough. There we go. There we go. Anybody else? All right. All right. A couple more. I'm down to the last two. He's got some for you. Right there. Jeff? Everybody got some? Back row, here you go, coming at you. Last one. Boom. There it is. Man, I need to go play baseball or something. I was doing good there, man. Had the arm working. All right, so post-it notes. You're going to take these and just stick them inside your bulletin today. Normally, we have a place for you to write in your bulletin, but I wanted you to have these kind of as a visual reference. Paul is reminding, 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 and so that's what these things are, right? They're little reminders. They're little sticky notes. Okay, plus, you and I both know what happens to most of these bulletins after you guys leave the room. Actually, most of you guys don't even bother leaving the room with them. They end up on our floor many times, and I'm the one who has to clean them up later too. So take those sticky notes and take them home with you, and you can remove them from the bulletin. You can put them on your mirror in your bathroom. When you're spending time in there, powder in your nose, you know, you're getting ready to go in the morning, okay? Stick them somewhere where you'll look at them constantly. Stick them maybe in your, in your kitchen or maybe on your dashboard of your vehicle where you'll see them every time you drive away. But remember what Paul is saying today, okay? All right, here we go. What's important to remember here is our first point that Paul is pointing out, and it comes from verses 1 and 2. We're going to read through that. Right now, it says, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. Now, we have a lot to cover today. This really should have been split up into two different sermons. I'm going to do my best to get through it quickly while still giving it uh, the just gravitas that it needs. Okay, starting right here. I know I lost a lot of you Americans right here when I said that word right there. Everybody say submissive. Submissive. Be submissive. We're Americans. Americans don't do that. Right? Or what about this word? Even better. Obey. Ooh. Ouch. Ouch. We do not like that. We do not like that. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities and to obey. Let's stop right there. Okay? So... I want you to keep in mind, as most of you already are, you're going, well, we've got this election coming up, and I don't intend to be submissive to anybody in that, I guarantee you. You're unhappy about a lot of stuff that you're seeing. A lot of people are, okay? But do you think that Paul was far removed from that situation? The emperor at this time in Rome was a young lad named Nero. If you know anything about Nero, he was deranged. He was detached, okay, corrupt. He would often just go off on vacation and just say, eh, you guys handle that um, typhoid outbreak. I'll be back later. I'm going to go play golf. Okay? He was a little bit kooky, a little bit crazy, and he hated Christians with a passion. Some of his exploits include taking Christians just because they're a Christian and tying them up inside of leather sacks, sewing them inside the leather sack, and then throwing them out to wild dogs in the sack and letting the dogs rip them apart piece by piece and eat them alive. 
That was fun times. Remember when we did that? No, you don't remember that because our government doesn't do that. Another thing he did, he would take Christians and either put a garment on them, a heavy garment dipped in wax, or he would just dip the Christian in wax and tie them to a post in his gardens at night and light them on fire as human candles to light his gardens. You remember when the president did that? Our president's never done that. So just remember that the next time you think how corrupt and bad our government is, that Paul understood what bad government is. And he's telling Titus to tell the Christians on the island of Crete, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities and to obey. Now that obey there is not just obeying the authorities placed over them in government, it's also talking about be obedient to the word of God. To be obedient to the word of God. And I'm going to cover that in a little more detail later. Let's move on to the next one. It says to be What's that say? Ready for what? Every good work. Every good work. That's pretty self-explanatory. We'll cover that too. Let's see. To slander no one. You guys know what slander is? Anybody been on Facebook lately? How many of you have ever convinced anyone to move to your side of the argument by arguing on Facebook? Have you? No. Nobody's ever done that in the history of Facebook. Right? Okay, there's one person. She's like, no, I did. I did it. You need to go to my debate class. Okay? It, it doesn't happen. But we're really quick to speak poorly of people that we know very little about, actually. Paul's saying, knock that off. That's not becoming of a man or woman of God. Stop it. Pretty, pretty plain. Okay? Avoid fighting, he says. Be kind. And show gentleness to which people? Say that again for me. All. Everybody now, come on. All people. Why is that important today? I want to grab a hold of this one too because of our current climate of events. So often, you guys, we see people as different from us. It doesn't matter who you're talking about. But so often, the person in question that we are Uh, thinking poorly of or making quick judgments about, slandering, that we're just rude to, that we don't give the benefit of the doubt. We do so solely because we see them as different from us. Now that's something that needs to stop. Because if you start seeing people as more like you, if you start saying they're a normal person that lives on planet Earth, They have many of the same hopes and aspirations that my family has. Maybe you'll start to try to see things through their eyes a little bit, have a little more empathy for them. Gentle to all people, not just the ones that we deem are worthy of it. Okay, now, as you adhere to these commands, I want you to consider two things about them. Okay, look at this whole list. That we just covered. I'll do it again. Submissive to rules and authorities. Be obedient to them and God. Be ready for every good work. Slander no one. Avoid, kind, avoid fighting. Be kind. And be gentle to all people. Okay? The first thing I notice about these things is that they're all outward signs of an inward change. They're all outward signs of an inward change. If you really live like this, if you really live like this, the people around you are going to go, there's something different about that gal. She's got something special. Okay, they show you that something is changing in here. All right? And the second thing I notice is that they're all interactive. You can't do these by yourself. 
Okay? If you're going to be submissive, you've got to be submissive to someone. If you're going to obey, you have to obey someone. If you can be ready for every good work, then you have to be usually working with someone or serving someone. If you're not going to slander anyone, it's something you're not doing with someone. Or maybe you like to sit around with a group of people and gossip a little bit. Was that painful? Was that painful? That's like, like a, a new, like, it, it's an interactive Olympic sport. We just do this together. We just sit around and badmouth someone. Right? Everything on there is interactive, and it's an outward sign of an inward change. You follow me? So Paul is basically giving commands to the people. He's saying, man, here's how you are to conduct yourselves with people. And this is important, as you're going to see why. This is important. Okay? One thing I think that we need to be really careful of here, that we need to do, you need to obey the word of God. Okay? You need to be holy. You need to be holy. What's it mean to be holy? It means to be separate. It means to be called out from. It means to be different. The Bible says that Christians are supposed to be this peculiar people. Isn't that a great phrase? Peculiar people. Somebody looks at him and goes, man, they're, they're different in kind of an interesting way. Okay? How about this? Be holy. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. The world needs to see God in your actions. Jesus said this in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Your actions matter. If you love me, you will keep my commands, is what Jesus said. And this is important because you don't want to discredit your witness. You don't want to be telling people about Jesus and then living like hell and then wondering why people don't really want anything to do with your Jesus. Because you're a hypocrite. Live in such a manner that your actions back up your convictions. Aren't they supposed to speak a thousand words? And why do we not obey well? Is it because we don't know what to do? As the American Christian, is our problem generally we don't know the word of God? We don't know what it says to be doing? I don't think so. I think we're probably the most blessed nation on the planet when it comes to having access to God's word. We have plenty of it. Is it because we just don't want to do it, period? Well, maybe. I think sometimes, yeah, for sure. There's just some things that, that we don't like and don't want to do. But I think usually the reason we don't obey is because we don't make time for it. We tell ourselves, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be obedient in that. I'm going to be ready for, what did it say, every good work? I'll be ready to serve well. But then when the time comes to do it, oh, you know what? I've got something else going on. I've got something else going on. We just don't make time for it. Guys, listen, knowing and serving Jesus and the building of his church are easily the most glorious and worthy use of your time, period. Do you know why? Because knowing and serving Jesus and building his church are the things that are eternal. They're the things that will last forever. And the other things that we busy and cram our calendar full of just simply is not going to last forever. 
Make time for eternal things. Make time for eternal things. Don't trade the priceless for the pointless. You follow me? I think that's one of our major issues. If Paul were writing to the first church of Texas, the first church of America, he would say, you're way too busy and you have no time to obey the word of God. You have no time to gather with God's people. You have no time to serve your neighbors. Make some time for that, guys. Okay, secondly, I think we need to be holy and we need to not be haughty. You guys know what it means to be haughty? My son laughed at this word. What does that mean? Haughty. Yeah, I practice my sermons in front of my eight-year-old. Yeah, he gives, he gives good insight. All right. So let me ask you, how do you treat other people? Most specifically, how do you treat people who think differently than you or look differently than you or live in a different place than you or they disagree with you on things or... How do you treat them? Listen, guys, listen very carefully to this. Don't miss this. How you treat others matters greatly, especially those who don't know the Lord. And do you know why? Here's a little Twitter comment for you to use this week. Tweet this. You represent the church, and the world is uninterested in the fruit of the church if you taste bitter. Are you picking that up? Are you picking up when I'm laying down? Right? It doesn't matter how right you are. It doesn't matter how righteous you are. If you appear to have righteous indignation and pride, and you're haughty to people who don't know the Lord, they don't want to hear the message of salvation. And we're supposed to be this people who are all about the ministry of reconciliation, ambassadors of Christ, the world calls us. And yet oftentimes, we're such a big turnoff to them that they simply turn off the volume switch. And they don't want to hear us because we have no love, we have no patience, we have no empathy, and we're full of pride. And we look down our nose at them. It's like the old cliche says, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. How you speak to others and how you treat them matters. So your first sticky note should say, okay? Your first sticky note, it's right there. Remember to serve and submit to others. It's a tough one for the American crowd, and that's why I spend a little more time on this one. That's a tough one. Your second sticky note, remember your salvation. Remember your salvation. Now, Paul starts off here with an interesting word in verse 3. Everybody say the first word here. Go ahead and put it up there in verse 3. For, everybody, that would be you guys. For, right? For. So he just got done talking about all this stuff. And then he says for. Okay? Now, in Paul's language, that means because. Because. So if you look back at your first set of notes, he's reminding them, be submissive, obey your leaders, obey the Lord. Be ready for every good work. Be good servants. Okay, slander no one. Avoid fighting. Be kind and be gentle to everyone. And then he says, for or because 
Because what? It says in verse 3, Because we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful, detesting one another. Okay? So Paul is immediately recognizing that it's going to be hard and messy sometimes to work with people who live like hell. And you're going to be tempted to kind of look down your nose and be a little bit snooty and a little little bit judgmental. But Paul is basically saying, don't get too big for your britches. At least that's what my mom would have said. And remember where you came from. Remember that you too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. Do you know what that list is? That's bad. It's a bad list. And that was you and I in the eyes of the Father before Jesus stepped into our life. That's us. You get that? If you're a believer this morning, this is the part of the message that's strictly for you. This is not for the unbeliever. This is for the believer. And Paul is saying, do not be prideful. Do not judge others. Remember where you came from. Remember, you're not that far removed by your own doing. Sin's a big deal, you guys. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 Put that up there for us. What's it say? The penalty is what? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. And you and I walked in death until we came to know the Father. Don't forget that. Sin's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And nothing you have done or can do differentiates you from the lost people that you like to judge apart from the blood of Christ. Don't forget that. It's easy to forget. Let's move on. Verse 4. Verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. I know there's some big words in there. And we're we're going to get to those in just a second. But the first thing I want to draw your attention to, which shouldn't be hard to draw your attention to, is a big butt. All right? This big butt right here is one of the most beautiful butts in the whole Bible. He gets done giving you all the bad news and telling you, for we too were once disobedient. We were hateful. We detested one another. All these terrible things that we do. And then he says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love of mankind appear. This is the good news. And this is a message for the believer and the unbeliever this morning. Notice who did the saving here. The kindness of God and our Savior. Who saved us? He saved us. Paul is directly contradicting a teaching that was going on at that time and actually is still done today by some people that you can be saved by living well. And that is false. You are only saved because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That's it. You're saved by grace. You're saved by grace. You're saved by grace. You're not saved by works. Okay? Loving kindness appeared. That's pretty 
That's pretty awesome when you think about it. Because the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared. Well, to have appeared, that means it wasn't there, and now it's there. Do you know who wasn't there, and then all of a sudden was there? It was a baby, foretold through prophecies thousands of years old that he was going to be named Jesus. And he appeared in Bethlehem on our behalf. A lot of people miss this point, but guys, the great sacrifice of the cross began when Jesus stepped out of heaven and entered flesh and bones. He left the magnificence and the majesty and the perfection at God's side and became a man to know pain and sickness and death and temptation. We have no metric for comparing the sheer agony of leaving that and just showing up on planet Earth. Do you understand that? Can you? Because I can't even wrap my mind fully around that concept. But that's what Jesus did. He appeared on our behalf. And he did the saving, as we already said. You see, because sin demands a price. We already said that. The wages of sin is death. And because mankind had sinned, there needed to be a payment for that sin. And that's what Jesus Christ did for you and I. If you don't know the Lord and you're here this morning, that's what he can do for you this morning. He can pay your price. Look at 1 Peter verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds. Jesus did the saving. He paid our price. We were dead in our transgressions, and the dead cannot save anyone. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Through the washing and regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, it says. The washing and regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Let's cover those words because those are important. Some people get confused here and they think the washing is talking about baptism as if baptism somehow saves you and pays for the penalty for your sins. It does not. It does not. If you want to know, ask the expert on such things. His name was John the... Baptist. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he said this. He saw Jesus coming, and he says to his followers, because he had quite a following at the time, and he says, I baptize you with water for what? Repentance. But the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now that, my friends, is Jesus Christ who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. That has nothing to do with a drop or two of water. That has everything to do with a drop or two of blood that fell from the cross at Calvary. Washing and regeneration that changes us from the inside out. Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 and 26. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may also become clean. Anybody want to take a stab at who's talking here? Do y'all know who this is? I'll give you a hint. It's written in red letters in some Bibles. That's the man. That's Jesus Christ. And he's addressing this issue that your works can make you look good on the outside. And you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. 
Jesus says he wants to clean us from the inside out so that the outside may also become clean. Okay? The washing of water on the outside of your body does not renew you. It does not regenerate you. The washing and renewal of regeneration begins through Jesus when the Holy Spirit enters our life, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Regeneration means to be made, being made new, new again. You may have heard it said being born again, referring to somebody's salvation. Okay? It's that new life that is imparted into us from the moment of our salvation. It's the first spark of a future forest fire, if you will. And that's a fire that continues throughout our life. And the Holy Spirit works through that and burns away the old man or woman and makes the new man or woman of Christ inside of us. And that process is called sanctification. It's basically the process of growing away from your old self and into a new self. And that new self looks and acts and smells and sounds a lot like Jesus Christ. Don't you want to be different tomorrow than you are today? Listen, if you want to come to a church and hang out and learn a whole lot about the Bible, but not obey what it says, if you want to come out and act holy, but not be challenged to change and grow into the likeness of Christ, you have come to the wrong church. (laughs) Because that's what we want for our people. We want for ourselves this idea of five years from now, I don't look like I look right now, but you see a lot more of Jesus in me. Does that make sense? That's the washing and renewal and regeneration by the Holy Spirit. This last section here is for you if you don't know the Lord. Verse 6. Verse 6, it says, He poured out His Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Through Jesus Christ our Savior. He poured out His Spirit. It all begins with Jesus. If we're going to build a home, Jesus is the foundation. Some of you construction guys got that, right? Jesus is the conduit that the Holy Spirit flows through to change you and I. Without Jesus, none of that process begins. Do you understand? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior this morning, you need to get him in your life. It's crucial because you can't work your way to heaven. You can't just be a good enough person to get to heaven. Despite popular cultural belief, all roads do not lead to heaven. All religions aren't basically worshiping the same God. Guys, you're hearing that today, and it is a lie. It is garbage. It is not the truth found in this Bible. If you read this Bible, you can only come to one conclusion. And that conclusion, guys, is that there is one way. And he said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man will come to the Father but through me. That was Jesus. And that is Jesus today. And if you want to know more about who that Jesus is today, if you want to leave here and know that your sins are forever paid for and that your name is written in the book of life in heaven and that you will never see the fires of hell, but you will see your Father forever in heaven, I would like to help you with that. You have heard the truth this morning. All you need to do is respond. Inside your bulletin, you've got a a little diagram, and it looks like this. We've got a picture inside your bulletin. And this just basically sums up everything that we've been talking about this morning. Take it with you. We're not going to read all these scriptures. We've read some of them this morning already. But you go home. You read these. 
and understand that mankind was stuck on this side of heaven before Jesus came and paid the penalty. We were left in death. But, there's that big but, but Jesus, being rich in mercy, paid the penalty for us so that we might be able to get to God. God came to us in Jesus so that we might be able to get to him through Jesus. Do you understand? Take that home and look at it. Read through it. Think about it. Nothing could be more important. Your third point this morning really just sums up what we just talked about. It says, remember your standing. It's your third sticky note. Remember your standing. Remember who you are in Jesus Christ. Paul asked you to remember who you used to be. (laughs) Remember where you came from. And then he says, but remember who you are now that you are in Christ. He calls it justified. Everybody know what justified means? Vindicated, found not guilty. It means you were brought before the law and the law said not guilty. In Jesus, when God looks at you in judgment, he no longer sees sin. He sees you covered, protected by the Lamb of God and his sacrifice having paid your debt. And so God says, come on in. Come on in. It's better than that, though. It's not just a golden ticket to heaven. It's an invitation into a family. Because you're not just justified. That section of Scripture called you an heir. In a different portion of Scripture, it calls you a co-heir with Christ. That means Jesus Christ was what the Bible called the firstborn among many brothers. You, if you are in Christ this morning, have Jesus as your brother. And he stands before the Father even now, interceding or praying for your soul on behalf of you. And when you see your Father in heaven, he will be there with you. If you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven through him. You are an heir. You inherit the kingdom of God. Let your spirit rest in that this morning. Take a deep breath of Jesus and peace. And know who you are in Christ and live to become that man or woman. Paul takes and he connects that idea of resting in that knowledge to it becoming motivation for us to live rightly. And he connects it in verse 8 and he says, remember to live like you have been loved. That's your last sticky note. Remember to live like you have been loved. Paul ends right where he began. He says, in light of the free and the costly love that you have received, live well and serve well. Let's look at verse 8. This, is, this saying is trustworthy. I want to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. Now, this thing right here, this saying is trustworthy, and then he even backs it up by saying, and I want to insist on this. That saying, this saying is trustworthy, is only used about four or five times in the New Testament. And every single time, Paul is saying, mark this down. If you miss everything else I talk about, he's saying, mark this down. And Paul's saying, basically, in light of the love that you've been given from the Father, be careful to devote yourself to good works. Your works don't save you, but he says they matter tremendously. Make time for the work of the kingdom in your life. When's the last time that you did some kingdom work? When's the last time you made time for God's people, for fellowship, for prayer, 
for the breaking of bread, for just hanging out and having fun with God's people, for getting out and serving your neighbor, for loving them and showing them Christ, for thinking about how God loved you, developing your own story, and memorizing God's story so that you can share the story of the good news with the lost. That's important stuff. Remember to serve God and Christ did and be willing to sacrifice for it. That's the model that Jesus set out for us. He sacrificed. God is asking you today, what would it take for you to give up something in your life in order to replace it with something eternal? Some sort of service and good deeds and good work for the Father. What would it take? I'm going to close by reading a portion of Scripture from Ephesians. It's really the sister verse, the sister portion of the Scripture we've read today. And I don't want you to look at the screen. I want you to close your eyes and let this sink in. Listen to how familiar it is to Titus 3 that we read today, assuming you've paid attention. Listen to this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the incarnations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as others were also. But God, rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us in the heavens, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. It's the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2. Does that sound familiar? It's almost word for word in two separate places in the Bible. And really there's another one very similar, which I won't read this morning, and yet another place. It's very similar. Take that home with you today. Here's your application as we begin to take two. If you're a believer this morning, here's what I want you to think about. Look back at those verses one and two. Look what Paul asked you to do, to be obedient to the Father and to the leaders appointed above you, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be kind and gentle to all people, to be ready for every good work. Look back at those in verse one and two and ask yourself if you're doing them. Are you fully aware that salvation comes from God's work and not yours? Are you fully aware that the person you used to be is only different because of the work that God has done in regeneration and washing and renewal of your spirit through Jesus and the Holy Spirit? And if you're an unbeliever here this morning, if you're not sure about this guy named Jesus yet, if you're unconvinced, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look on your connection card on the back. And there's a box there. It's very simple. It's a check mark is all it is. And say, I'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus. I'd love to follow up with you and just sit down and have coffee and have a conversation. Nothing could be more important. Nothing could be more important. Take two.